Gracious God, we come before you as we are, as your children. And so, Lord, as we open up our hearts and our minds and our souls to you, awaken them, that we might hear your voice above all other voices as we turn to your word. Shape us, mold us. Make us alive in your spirit as you have promised. And we can come confidently to you now because we are forgiven and we are set free through your son, Jesus Christ. So may your word nourish us together corporately this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together, dear God, be glorifying unto you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's Pancake Sunday, dear friends. I've been praying for Pancake Sunday for a long time. This is awesome. We're going to have a great time out there. As we continue our prayer series, thinking about the nature of prayer, specifically how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, how he taught the church to pray, and the elements and the nature of prayer that we can glean from these teachings of Jesus to help us in our own prayer life, help us as we develop a prayer life together as a congregation, not only just individually, but together corporately, as we learn to pray together. You know, when a doctoral student many years ago came from Princeton, came to their professor, and they said to their professor, is there any dissertation research that hasn't been done yet? What else is there to write about? Albert Einstein responded and said to his students, somebody must find out about prayer. Somebody find out about prayer. In Philip Yancey's book, Prayer, Does It Really Matter? Does It Make a Difference? He writes honestly and directly about the struggles he's had with prayer and, and the things that he's gone through in his own prayer life and, and the doubts and his faith and, and where he has seen God work and where he questions, where is God in the midst of this? Does it really matter, he wonders. So much like this famous physicist and contemporary theologian, humans have always had a longing and desire to understand, does prayer matter? Does prayer work? Do my prayers make it through the, the glass ceiling and into heaven? Somebody must find out about prayer. We're not the first to ask that question. In fact, the disciples asked that of Jesus. They had that longing inside of them. Somebody must find out about prayer. This guy, Jesus, must know something about prayer. And so they ask. And so we turn to that moment when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It goes like this. You can follow along in, in the scripture that has been printed out for you in the bulletin or along on the screen. You can even close your eyes and listen to God's word hearing how God is speaking to you directly this morning. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John, John the Baptist, taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. 
For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? Even you then, who are evil, thanks Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Will the Heavenly Father, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of the Lord, thanks be to God. This week I wondered, what was the question behind the question of the disciple who asked Jesus to teach him how to pray? What's the question behind the question? What is the motivation behind this disciple? Perhaps it was Peter, he looks over at John and, and they say, hey, We've noticed that Jesus does a lot of praying, and he's doing these miracles, and we need to learn how to pray. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples, hey, Peter says, Peter says to John, John, you go ask Jesus how to pray. No, you go ask him. They, you know, go back and forth. Was it because they are feeling uh, that their prayers were ineffective, hitting a brick wall? Nothing seems to happen when we pray? With Jesus performing miracles and healing people, and they see well, he, how much time he's spending on his own and praying. There's got to be something going on there. Maybe it was about power. You know, <laughs> maybe they wanted to yield some power over others. It was not beyond their imaginations. We know these disciples. We have stories about them. And they, as they were following Jesus, there's a couple occasions when they uh, felt that this they have an entitled position because they were following Jesus. Maybe they have a, a special place in God's kingdom. And at one point, they corner Jesus, a couple of them, and say, hey, hey, who gets to sit on your right side, Jesus, in, in, in the kingdom? I want to know if, if I'm going to have that spot. Who gets to sit in the power seat? Well, we can't know for sure exactly what was behind the question, behind the question of the disciples when they were asking Jesus. But whatever the case, they asked, and Jesus responded, what has become very famous in the Lord's Prayer. We, we prayed it together. We're going to pray it together every Sunday for a long time because it's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
And then after the Lord's Prayer, there's followed by uh, stories of unexpected guests and uh, bare cupboards, grumpy neighbors, parents and children, fish, eggs, snakes, and scorpions. And through it all, Jesus' teachings on prayer reveal to us the depths of the nature of prayer that we need to reflect on. The depths and the nature of prayer. Reminders for us. And the first is that, and I've got three, if you want to write them down. There's an intimacy of prayer. There's a level of intimacy, close, personal, relational. When we pray, there's an intimacy. We pray, our Father, or Father. It's simple yet profound sense of intimacy between a parent and a child. Jesus' teaching is that God is approachable, a good father, a good, good father. When we imagine father, you know, not everybody has had an experience of a, a healthy parent relationship. I understand that. Not parents aren't perfect. But Jesus describes his imagination or who he understands God is and his fa- as his father. And he tells a parable. And I think this parable that he tells gives us a glimpse of how good God is to his children. And you know the parable. It's often called the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal father. You know, prodigal means lavish. And you know the story. The younger son comes to the father and says, Dad, I want everything that is owed me, and I want it now. Young son takes off. Father is disheartened, saddened, gives the, the child the resources, and the child takes off and runs away and ends up with pigs, comes to his right mind, and he says, even the servants at my father's house have it better than me. I'm going back home, and maybe my dad will receive me, and I could be a servant. I could work for him and work off my, my debt. The father has been waiting there, looking out the window, waiting for his son to return. And when he sees his son at a great distance coming down the road, the father runs and receives his son with a hug, puts his cloak on his son, restores him fully into the family with a signet ring, and the son is now restored, and they throw, he throws this massive party, probably lasted a week. And then the elder son comes along, and he pulls his father aside. He says, listen, Dad, what are you doing? This young son of yours, he's wasted all these things. He doesn't deserve this. And this prodigal God, the prodigal father, he says, who is lavish with his grace and his mercy, and he says, listen, Everything I have is yours. All you need to do is ask. There's an example of a good, good father. God's grace lavishly bestowed upon us, his children. Prayer is intimate, personal, relational. As one biblical writer states, the minute we obliterate the personal from prayer, there is no prayer. The heart stops beating. 
Naming God as Father keeps us alert at the personal in prayer. Father, as a metaphor, names a person, not an object. Father and son and daughter are not functions. They are unique blood relationships. That intimacy of prayer provides a way, a pathway to honesty in our prayers. And come before God and tell him everything. I remember when I was, we were raising our children, Sharon and I. Wait a minute. I'm still raising my children. They're all adults. They're wonderful. I remember they, when they were young, they'd come and home from school one day and say, you know, Dad, Mom, so-and-so said something about me mean to my friends. I want their dog to die. I hope their dog gets run. You know, they just say all these bad things, like, I want this to happen to them. I want that. And they were angry and very upset and said worse things than that. I listened. I listened, and I took it in, and I said, okay, all right. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want that to happen? And we listened. But there was an honesty. They didn't have to clean themselves up and, and say, I'm not going to share my true feelings with my parent. No, you can. You know, we have examples of this in our Bible. Jesus' prayer book, actually, the Psalms. In Jesus' time, the Psalms was the prayer book that was read in the synagogue. We read it today as, as a prayer book, a way for us to imagine prayer, to, to help prompt us in our prayer life, to guide us in our prayer life. And did you know that all the Psalms aren't as nice and wonderful as Psalm 23? There's some really difficult Psalms. They call them the cursing Psalms. Psalm 109 among them. You can look it up later. But there's cursing in it. Do this to my enemies, God. God, bring your justice now against my enemies. Do this and that against their families. Some have really struggled with these cursing psalms. They're in the Bible. What's going on? I imagine it's similar to how when my kid came home, was super upset about the injustice that they experienced, and they let it go. They let it fly. Dad, did you know? And here's the psalmist reaching out, Father, do you see this? Do you see the injustice in the world? Do this and do that. And we give advice to God. God hears us. It, it's a reminder that in this intimacy, we can pray honestly with God. You know, those psalms, those ones that seek God's justice and, and want enemies obliterated from the surface of the earth, many theologians have had very difficult time with these psalms. But it's interesting, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was ultimately imprisoned by the Nazi regime, he found great comfort in these psalms, where he had real enemies, real enemies against the church. C.S. Lewis struggled with them. He didn't understand them. He didn't want them. He didn't like them. But here, I think, in one way to think about these psalms in our prayers. It reminds us of the intimacy we have with a father who listens to us. A parent is a safe place. We don't have to clean up our feelings. 
God can handle our frustrations, our anger, our disappointment. Like the psalmist, we can take our worst feelings before God. There's the intimacy, the personal relationship, the closeness, and the nature of prayer that Jesus is teaching his disciples and teaching us. In many ways, it's a plea of dependence upon God. God, I need you. I am so frustrated with what's going on. I need you. Help me. Help me. Not only is the nature of prayer intimate, personal, relational, the nature of prayer Jesus is teaching is persistent. He teaches it in this parable. You know, you can imagine that as Jesus was teaching this parable about the neighbor and somebody arriving at midnight, you kind of go, why is this person arriving so late at night? And, you know, in the first century and in the Middle East, summertime, it's really hot. And many people would travel at night. And so arriving at midnight, a little late, but not that unexpected in some ways. And so the neighbor goes next door. They all would have understood this in this village that Jesus is teaching. They all would have said, (laughs) yeah, that happened to us. Hey, remember I came and knocked on the door and you said the same thing to me. This was something that was very real to them. They could experience it. Yeah, this is what happens. People travel after sunset and arrive late. And sometimes you don't have, and so you have this hospitality emergency. And the, the code of hospitality back in the first century in the Middle East, even today, is that you do whatever you can to make sure your guests are welcomed and fed Many years ago, I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and we were doing friendship evangelism. And in many ways, people would invite us into their homes and feed us and welcome us. There was one occasion that I would not advise this to anybody ever do this. We were traveling from Ephesus back to our um, back to Istanbul, and we decided to hitchhike. This was many, 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 many years ago. Don't do that today. And we're hitchhiking. We get picked up and we get taken. And this Turkish man made sure that we got to our next destination. He bought us lunch. He looked at us. He says, you got everything you need? Everything you need before you get on your next uh, step in your next journey? We said, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. We were blown away at how hospitable. He took it so seriously. That's what in the first century. And all these people who are hearing this, the Jesus teaching, would have said, yes, we know exactly what's going on here. We would receive somebody at midnight, and then we'd finally get up out of bed, and we would help. The point of Jesus' parable, though, is persistence. You keep at it. You keep at your prayer. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. And be consistent in your prayer life. Find a time to pray. Maybe it's morning. Maybe it's noon. Maybe it's Thursdays with us when we pray over Zoom on Thursdays for our church. A consistency. Jesus' point is clear. Keep at it. Keep praying. And the third piece about the nature of prayer that we find in this teachings of Jesus is the confidence that we have in prayer. We're to come with bold confidence. Ask, seek, knock. 
As he wraps up his teachings on prayer, he shares a word about the nature of who we are praying to. We've been told to call out to God, our Father, our parent, who hears our prayers. Noting, noting the intimacy of this relationship. And Jesus then hits it home with the example of parent responding to their own child. Who among you, if your child asked for an egg, would give him a snake? Come on, nobody would do that. Who among you? At this point, I wonder if Jesus paused just a moment. Let everyone looking back, there's, they're all saying, no, we wouldn't do No one would do that to their child. The example also puts the rest to any ideas that God is a tyrant. That God is up there saying, mm, what can I do to kind of mess up this person's life? Put a little more challenge in their life. Took delight in delivering evil. No. You know, that's in the first century, we've explored this before, where many of the gods and the goddesses, the Romans and the Greeks, that, that, that's their MO. They would do that. They were part of it. That's what they believed. They were tyrants. And Jesus is putting to rest any ideas you think God is a tyrant. No way. Loving, faithful. Jesus' point is clear. God is good and faithful and loving. How much more, he says. That's an important phrase. How much more will God provide for you? How much more? Ask, says Jesus. Disciples later will hear Jesus in some of his teachings. And just before he descends to heaven, he says, I go to my father, your father. I go to my God, your God. Another time he teaches, whatever you ask in my name, ask in my name, and you will receive. I read a modern parable about asking in Jesus' name. Imagine that you're going to a baseball game. You happen to have some good seats. And you sit down, and then in front of you is a father and two children. And that father, the child, is each kid is going, hey, can I have a hot dog? Yeah, you can have a hot dog. Hey, can I have one of those foam hands, you know, the number one, you know, we want to cheer our team, you know, baseball, cat. the kids are, you know, ice cream, and dad's just, you know, giving it all to them. And then there's another kid that's not part of the family, it's sitting next to uh, the last child here, and and that kid sees all this thing. Wow, wow. And he says he, to the, the son, he goes, hey, can I have a hot dog? And so the son looks to the father and says, hey, dad, can you add one more hot dog to this? He's like, well, what? And he goes, yeah, I want to give a hot dog to this guy. Dad kind of wonders, well, why would I do? My son is asking. I'll give him a hot dog. I don't know if that helps, but you know, we ask in Jesus' name, our advocate goes before the Lord, our Father. Ask in Jesus' name. So, dear friends, this week, when you settle into your prayer time, or when you're driving those, and you have those 911 prayers, hurry, God, show up prayers, desperate prayers, or those quiet prayers, 
In those moments, holding on to hope, on to faith, your honest, your angry prayers, God can handle them. The prayers without words, those prayers that only come out in groans and the depths of our anxiety and our worry and our concern. God hears. God responds. Remember to pray. As a member of God's family, the prayer, the intimacy of prayer, relational. Stay persistent in your prayer. These are the words of Jesus reminding us to stay persistent in our prayer life. Unwavering, tenacity, never give up. Never give up. And all the while, we hold on to the bold confidence. Bold confidence that God waits and longs and listens and acts. Asking, seeking, knocking for his grace, his love, and his mercy. And whatever we face, dear friends, 